Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Trashy Divorces. I'm Alicia. Hi, my name is Stacy. Thanks for joining us this week. The tide is always high around here when it comes to trash. Stacy, this week, you are bringing us the story that crashed your motherboard. It did. Uh, this is former Fox News personality Kimberly Guilfoyle, her two divorces, including from the current governor of California. And who do you have for us? Ooh, I got the one trashy divorce of Kevin Costner, but it sure was costly. It was a spendy divorce. One of the highest priced divorces in Hollywood at the time. Before we get started on our episode today, I have this magic mirror. Less trashy, just full of good. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Heather N. Anne is Irish. Jessica. Allison N. The Neon Lady. Ashley C. Holy cats and two new super supporters, Rihanna J and Allison N. Thank you, thank you to our new Patreon subscribers. Getting ad-free and bonuses and Zoom sessions and book clubs. <laughs> thanks to our existing Patreons and thanks to you for coming back. Put on your waders because the tide is high. <laughs> you ready to start this thing? Yeah, I guess we better go, go, go. So, Stacy, you started research on this story last week, and it blew up your computer? It, it did. It actually is in the shop now. The it, This story appears to have melted my computer's CPU. <laughs> so. Melty motherboard? Melty motherboard. Trashy divorces. Alicia, it is indeed a very trashy world that we inhabit, and unfortunately, one of the hallmarks of our age, and arguably all ages, I guess, is that less than stellar people often seem to manage to come out on top, regardless of the carnage they leave churning in their wake. That's kind of the story of former Fox News personality and current almost Trump daughter-in-law, Kimberly Guilfoyle, whose commendable ambition prompted questionable alliances with other high-profile dirtbags like Roger Ailes and, of course, her current almost-in-laws, that were certainly forged in part to feed that suddenly less commendable-seeming ambition. You may recall that one of the countless oddities of the Trump era was that Donald Trump Jr. started dating the ex-wife of California Governor Gavin Newsom. It is a very odd flex, isn't it? And, you know, that relationship is apparently still going strong. Gavin is not Kimberly's only ex-husband, but the real heart of my tale, I think, today is a pretty staggering sexual harassment scandal that ultimately got Kimberly booted from Fox News and resulted in a multi-million dollar payout to the poor female assistant that she allegedly abused. That's a lot of dough. Let's meet Kimberly. <laughs> Kimberly Ann Guilfoyle was born March 9th, 1969 in San Francisco to a Puerto Rican mom and an Irish dad. Her early childhood sounds idyllic, fantastic. When she was about five, she began spending summers with her father's family in Ireland. 
Uh, and it just sounds like a pretty grand thing right up until she was about 10 and her mother was diagnosed with leukemia. Oh, that's terrible. Kimberly was just 11 years old when her mother died, yeah. so about 1980. But her father, who had immigrated to the U.S. in the 50s when he was 21, ended up becoming a prominent real estate investor and eventually a mover and shaker in San Francisco's political establishment. Oh, wow. Okay. Kimberly went to UC Davis for undergrad and picked up a Juris Doctor at the University of San Francisco School of Law in 1994, doing some modeling on the side in school to keep up with tuition. This is from a 2001 piece in the San Francisco Chronicle called Taking the High Road by Craig Marine when Kimberly was a district attorney in San Francisco. Quote, She currently is this close to becoming engaged to Gavin Newsom if the local rumor mill holds true and one risks believing in true love. Guilfoyle and Newsom, the San Francisco supervisor whose political career is still in its infancy, form an attractive couple. They also keep a jam-packed schedule that finds them occasionally at places where their photo may be taken for later publication in society pages. Add to this the fact that it is common knowledge that the decidedly working-class Guilfoyle helped pay her way through law school by modeling, including the aforementioned lingerie modeling, and you have all the material necessary to manufacture a wonderfully superficial, demeaning, and dismissive label. Thus, Kimberly Guilfoyle is known as the lingerie model society girl district attorney. Yikes. Maureen goes on to talk about how much Kimberly hates that, which, fair enough. I mean, she's an attorney. Like, fair enough. So it turns out, though, that Papa Guilfoyle, a behind-the-scenes force in the local political scene by the mid-90s, was a central figure in the rise of a promising young politico who was first appointed to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors in 97 and then in 98 began a series of winning campaigns to keep the seat and eventually, at the age of 36, to become the youngest mayor of San Francisco in a century when he was elected in November of 03. That's incredible. Gavin Christopher Newsom was born October 10, 1967 in San Francisco, and his lawyer father, later a state appeals court judge, seems to have formed the foundation for another important alliance that would come into play later. Gavin's dad was at one point an attorney for Getty Oil and Gordon Getty, son son of oil magnate J. Paul Getty, would become an investor in a number of successful businesses that Gavin would found in the early 90s. Kimberly Guilfoyle, meanwhile, briefly dated Billy Getty, one of the sons of Gordon. Interesting. What I'm saying is that San Francisco is a geographically small place surrounded by water on three sides and with so many points of connection, it was probably inevitable that Kimberly and Gavin would meet, although she did spend much of the later 90s as a DA in Los Angeles. Those are a lot of spiderwebs. Yeah. Just, you know, two mega ambitious people in love. It's a great story. So they married in December of 2001 in a big Catholic ceremony at St. Ignatius Church on the grounds of San Francisco University where she had attended law school. In 2003, Gavin became mayor of, well, I guess in 04 he was sworn in, but whatever. In 03, Gavin was elected mayor of San Francisco. And in 2004, Harper's Bazaar feted the couple with an eight-page spread titled The New Kennedys. Oh, God. And described them as one of the most glamorous political unions since Jack and Jackie. I love it when we fet the couples. It was uh, photographed at the Getty Mansion in San Francisco. Oh, of course. Natch. Come on. 
There's a really atrocious photo of them, like, sprawled on a carpet together in evening wear. It's, I recall this. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's okay. I don't recall Jackie ever getting on the floor for a photo, but hey, what do I know? <laughs> Just chilling on the floor like we do. There wasn't even a pet in that picture. I don't know if they're pet people, honestly. Please continue. They're very busy, these <laughs> new Kennedys. In the piece, Kimberly mentioned being fascinated by hard news and morning television. So maybe it wasn't a giant surprise when, later in 2004, Kimberly was offered a gig at Court TV and a slot as a legal analyst on Anderson Cooper 360 on CNN. This took her to New York City. I mean, she moved there. This was her new job. And being a bicoastal power couple decidedly did not work out. They jointly filed for divorce in January of five. Like, months. Oh, that was fast. Months after the new Kennedys spread. Like, talk about a jinx. Okay. They explained that, quote, difficulties due to their careers on opposite coasts was behind the breakup. Although, given the political path that each has charted since you wonder how Kimberly felt about Gavin's 04 decision, to tell the San Francisco County Clerk's Office to start issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples in violation of California law. All of those marriages were later voided. There were also rumors that Gavin may have been stepping out with his campaign manager's wife, so... Whoops. Oopsie, Gavin. So that's one down. Gavin obviously has gone on to higher offices. He was lieutenant governor, now he's governor. He's remarried. Kimberly's TV career certainly picked up momentum. And in February of 2006, the same month that their divorce became final, she moved to Fox News, still in New York City, where she would remain for the next dozen years. She's hosted, co-hosted, and guest-hosted a variety of Fox shows, from The Morning Fox and Friends to Hannity's Weird Paranoid Power Hour before abruptly departing the network in 2018. After After a dozen years? What could have happened? Well, and after signing a multi-year contract in 2017. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, that's the correct. Good sound effect (laughs) there. We'll get to it. We have to get through one more wedding. Because in May of 06, just months after the divorce became final, Kimberly and her new beau, furniture designer Eric Valenci, headed to Barbados and got hitched. This is lightning speed. Muzzle! Eric had inherited the furniture business his grandfather founded back in the 30s. He's five-ish years younger than Kimberly. He also dabbled in media, hosting a weekly show on the Fine Living Network called iDesign. And according to Wikipedia, he designed the Peloton bike and the SoulCycle bike. You're kidding. I am not. According to People Magazine, the pair met on a blind date in October 2005. They were engaged by Christmas. They kept things kind of quiet because her divorce wasn't final yet. Oh, and double mazel, because in October of 06, Kimberly gave birth to their son. Wow. That's right. Having known each other for a full year, they were now married parents. That is a lot of change in a year. Obviously, this is the kind of beginning that we at Trashy Divorces rejoice in, because by 2009... Splitsville! Splitsville! They were all done. I mean, as much as co-parents can be all done, apparently the split was fairly amicable. And each promised to remain friendly as they raised their son. Uh, the website NikkiSwift.com says that Kimberly is still very close to Eric's family. So maybe these two are doing it right. I don't know. Okay. Meanwhile, she continued on as a cable TV legal analyst, moving into a $1.3 million apartment, and life went on. Raising kid, whatever. 
But a funny thing was happening at her day job, the notoriously sexual harassment-heavy Fox News under Roger Ailes. It turns out that Kimberly Guilfoyle fit right in and ended up being booted from the network in 2018 after her assistant sent executives a 42-page complaint. <sighs> yes. Investigative journalist Jane Mayer finally got the story for The New Yorker in 2020, and I'm going to read just a little bit while strongly encouraging you to go read the entire eye-blistering 42 piece. pages? 42 pages. Like a really hot and heavy letter to HR is about three, three and a half, even if you're single space in that nonsense. Okay, so... 42? 42. Holy I think cats. it also had allegations about uh, Eric Bowling, another sort of controversial figure who got... So assistant has some things to say. Yes. Okay. So here's Jane Mayer's writing. Guilfoyle has maintained that her decision to move from television news to a political campaign was entirely voluntary. In fact, Fox News forced her out in July 2018, several years before her contract's expiration date. At the time, she was a co-host of the political chat show The Five. Media reports suggested that she had been accused of workplace impropriety, including displaying lewd pictures of male genitalia to colleagues. What? But few additional details of misbehavior emerged. Guilfoyle publicly denied any wrongdoing, and last year a lawyer representing her told The New Yorker that any suggestion she had engaged in misconduct at Fox is patently false. But, as I reported at the time, Mayer says, shortly after Guilfoyle left her job, Fox secretly paid an undisclosed sum to the assistant who no longer works at the company. Recently, two well-informed sources told me that Fox, in order to avoid going to trial had agreed to pay the woman upward of $4 million. Wow. Mayor continues, The woman was hired in 2015 just out of college to work as an assistant for Guilfoyle and another former Fox host, Eric Bowling. According to a dozen well-informed sources familiar with her complaint, the assistant alleged that Guilfoyle, her direct supervisor, subjected her frequently to degrading, abusive, and sexually inappropriate behavior among other things, she said that she was frequently required to work at Guilfoyle's New York apartment while the Fox host displayed herself naked. No! And what? was No! And was shown photographs of the genitalia of men with whom Guilfoyle had had sexual relations. The draft complaint also alleged that Guilfoyle spoke incessantly and luridly about her sex life and on one occasion demanded a massage of her bare thighs. Other times... <sighs> I know, right? This is your boss. Oh, my God. This is just miserable. Who wants to take off their clothes at work? Well, this is she's at home. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mayor continues, other times she said Guilfoyle told her to submit to a Fox employee's demands for sexual favors, encouraged her to sleep with wealthy and powerful men, asked her to critique her naked body, demanded that she share a room with her on business trips. Oh, no, 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 no. Required her to sleep over at her apartment and exposed herself to her, making her feel deeply uncomfortable. I would oh think God. that deeply uncomfortable is the minimum what that I would feel. a nightmare. Okay, so, Mayor continues. One current and one former Fox employee confirmed the assistant's allegation that Guilfoyle had often shared lewd images noting that she had shown photographs of male genitalia to them, too. Nope. Some of romantic partners... Who keeps that on, like, an album reel? It's not exactly good-looking. Others of fans. No. Apparently, her fans would just send her... No. 
dick pics. Another former employee described Guilfoyle showing pornographic videos in the office. Just all around good stuff. Slide into the skid. Guilfoyle's graphic sexual talk so upset hair and makeup artists at Fox that they lodged an internal complaint triggering an investigation by the company. Oh my gosh. Kimberly Guilfoyle. Okay, last, last snippet. The assistant recounted that Guilfoyle had been dismissive about her complaints about being sexually harassed. Really? Oh, <laughs> shock. Had discouraged her from speaking to Fox's human resources department. Oh, I bet. Mm-hmm. And had pointed to her own career, claiming that she had had sexual encounters with powerful figures at Fox herself. What's the big deal? Everybody <laughs> does everybody it. Everybody sleeps oh, with my Roger. God. One of the former Fox News colleagues who had socialized with Guilfoyle told me that her sexually inappropriate behavior was akin to that of many powerful male Fox employees before 2016, when the network was rocked by a lawsuit brought against Ailes by Gretchen Carlson, a former on-air host. Carlson's suit exposed a deep-seated sexually predatory culture at the network. Nearly two dozen women at Fox eventually alleged that they had been sexually harassed or intimidated. The scandal triggered Ailes' downfall and also that of the star host Bill O'Reilly. Former colleague says, quote, Kim was kind of like one of the guys, the way they used to operate. Another former co-worker recalled, It was always about sex and guys with her. She didn't hide it. She'd almost flaunt it. She probably wasn't aware of others' feelings. It was a different time. We're talking about 2016 here. <laughs> it's a different time. Okay. Our sources, as always, are at TrashyDivorces.com, and that Jane Mayer piece is just outstanding. So do not worry about poor Kimberly trying to scrape together a living after being too gross, even for the Fox News Corporation. She has been dating Donald Trump Jr. since at least June of 2018, after his ex-wife Vanessa left him. We covered this, I think, at the beginning of season two. Sounds right. Sounds right. And uh, Kimberly was then suctioned up into the Trump orbit, including a $15,000 a month salary for the Trump 2020 campaign. I believe the 15K a month salary is what you get when you sign their NDA. Oh, interesting. That's, I feel like a ton of people had that $15,000 a month salary. Interesting. Mm -hmm. She and Junior have done some real estate investing together, too, buying a $4.4 million Hamptons home in 2019 and offloading it for more than $8 million in early 2021. I'm sure that was all on the up and up. Wow. They're Floridians now, which feels perfectly on brand. They apparently became engaged sometime in 2020, but didn't make it publicly known until 2022 which is also weird, and so that feels pretty on brand as well. I don't know how trashy the divorces ended up being, but Kimberly Guilfoyle, ugh. I'm giving her 42 pages worth of trash cans for yeah. treating your assistant and your colleagues like an absolute monster. Who has an album of dick pics just to show? Come in, sit at my coffee table. Kimberly Guilfoyle has an <sighs> album of dick pics. I'm sure it's on her phone, right? <laughs> just floored. Laptop? I don't... I don't I know. I have an album of my pets. Yeah. Right? I Anyway, so that's, uh, that's the two divorces and <laughs> workplace misconduct of Kimberly Guilfoyle. 42 pages of trash cans. I feel like that probably was the trashier story. Mm. Well done. Let's Thank you. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back with another Tide is High in a different way. Lots of money in this one. Good. See you on the flip. 
Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Dis and Tell, is hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Bellisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Dis and Tell on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. There are over 90,000 people missing at any time, and over half a million are reported missing every year. And that's just in the United States. I'm Mike Morford. And I'm Jess Betancourt. And in our podcast, Missing Persons, we discuss cases of people who have gone missing under mysterious circumstances. And we're joined in each episode by guests who are either related to the missing person, investigating their disappearance, or advocating for answers in the case. Missing Persons is available everywhere you listen to podcasts, and there are dozens of episodes to binge on right now. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. If you have been thinking about your financial situation, if you've been brewing questions you would like to ask a financial professional, if you would like some guidance on addressing debt, investing, or other general financial organization, then in the immortal lyrics of Amy Ray, I said it's time. Don't assume anything, just go, go, go. go. To the oaktreegroup.net. There you will find the contact information for three holistic financial planners that have been working together for over 17 years. Kelly, Eileen, and Ellen will tailor a financial strategy for your unique goals and circumstances. You can also give them a call at 770-319-1700 to schedule your free one-hour consultation. They would never use your years to psych you out. Again, the phone number is 770-319-1700, and the website is www.theoaktreegroup.net. Go, go, go! Okay, Alicia, so I think we're going to go from wolves to someone who dances with wolves? Something like that. Okay. I'm here to talk to you about the trashy divorce of Kevin Costner. Okay. Just one? Just one. High dollar, though. That's what makes this significant. Mm -hmm. As we know, Kevin Costner is one of the most famous and successful actors of our time. His career has spanned decades, and he is enjoying newfound popularity even now with his current series Yellowstone. Hmm. Yellowstone premiered in 2018. It finished its fourth season in January of this year, 
But Kevin has such a massive fan base that his season four finale drew in 9.3 million viewers. Wow. Which beat out Game of Thrones. Huh. Uh Uh-huh. They only had 8.9 million viewers for their season six finale. Hmm. Interesting, right? Yeah. Kevin Costner, best known for The Untouchables, Bull Durham, Dances with Wolves, Field of Dreams, The Bodyguard, JFK. One of the biggest stars of the 80s and 90s. A lot more movies than that, though. Kevin Costner's been in almost 70 movies in his career. Triple Threat, he produces and directs, too. His only Academy Award win was for Dances with Wolves in 1991 for Best Director. He also co-produced that. It won Best Picture as well that year. Kevin Costner has seven kids from his two marriages and a side relationship. There is a 26-year age gap between his eldest and youngest kids. Yikes. So basically two sets of kids. The more the merrier. Two sets of families, yeah. Kevin Costner's first marriage lasted 16 years. His wife, Cindy, was awarded $80 million in that settlement. Wow. Making it one of the most expensive divorces in Hollywood history. Let's get into it. Yeah, $80 million. Wow. Kevin Costner. Capricorn Man was born January 18th, 1955. During his younger years, like when he's growing up, the family lives in Compton. During his teenage years, his family is moving around the state of California a lot for his dad's career. Like a lot of kids who move, you're a military brat. You get that when you move again, you lose a little bit of confidence because you're always trying to make new friends and fit into new places. Mm Mm-hmm. After attending several different high schools and graduating in 1973, our boy Kev is bound for California State University, Fullerton. There, Kevin joins the Delta Chi fraternity and graduates with a BA in marketing and finance in 1978. It is here at California State University, Fullerton, that Kevin is bit by the acting and dancing bug. I didn't know he danced. Wow. Mm. Kevin can dance. (laughs) Kevin meets Cindy Silva while still in college, and the two quickly become sweethearts. Recalling their love story, Kevin Costner tells People magazine he introduced Cindy to his parents on the first date. He said, I was just really proud that this girl would go out with me. (laughs) I wanted to show my parents. I mean, there you go. In 1978, At the age of 22, Kevin and Cindy marry, and although he had taken some acting classes and become interested in acting during his year of college, he had not really expressed his interest in pursuing an acting career to his wife. He's got a... Interesting. Marketing and... BA in marketing and finance. Why would Cindy think that... Yeah. I can't wait for you to be an actor. Of course you're going to go be a song and dance man. Okay. (laughs) During, (laughs) early in their marriage, Cindy has a little bit of a showmanship thing in her, too. Cindy's job is playing Snow White at Disneyland in Mm. Anaheim. Okay. Mm -hmm. By all accounts, the couple's very happy in the early years of their relationship. Kevin has said of Cindy, she was beautiful, she was sweet, she was smarter than me. She represented everything about women that I like. The couple... On the way back from their honeymoon, this is a spiderweb story, you're never going to believe it. They honeymoon in Mexico. They're on the plane back, and Kevin Costner 
sees Richard Burton sitting in a nearby row. Wow. Mm -hmm. Richard Burton has purchased all of the tickets around him on the plane, so nobody bugs him. Sure. Little leg room. He put his seat as far back as he wants. Does this stop Kevin Costner? <laughs> no. no. He gets up the nerve to approach Richard Burton, who tells him that I'll talk with you after I finish reading my book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> At the time, Kevin Costner is really weighing with this decision. My wife doesn't know I want to be an actor. Do I want to... Be a finance guy. So Kevin's concerned that pursuing his passion for acting, he's he's got some questions. Could I have a normal personal life and still be an actor? Is there a compromise between the two? So Richard Burton, I guess, finishes his book. (laughs) And Kevin asks Richard Burton if it's possible to be an actor and not lead a personal life like his. Mm. Oh. (laughs) I bet that was phrased. This is Kevin. Badly. I told him, you're a celebrated actor, but you're a brawler. You've had a lot of marriages, a lot of things. I just want to know, does that kind of life follow an actor? I want to have a life that's not filled with drama. Do we Do we know what Burton told him? Oh, we sure do. Okay. Here is Richard Burton's response. <laughs> you have green eyes. I have green eyes. I think you'll be fine. wow which immediately gives kevin a thousand percent encouragement yeah the confidence to go out and because richard burton and i both have green eyes (sighs) so immediately kevin will start to pursue his acting career wow when he first starts out kevin is cast in minor roles for a while but eventually he'll get his big break it's the green eyes yeah his breakout was supposed to be, this is a long time ago, this is probably a little off your radar, the 1983 mega hit, The Big Chill. Okay. But you're like, wait a minute, Kevin Costner, I don't remember him in The Big Chill. Yeah. Kevin Costner was cast as Alex, who was the character whose funeral the rest of the ensemble had gathered for in the movie, but all of Kevin's scenes are shot in flashback. And his scenes are all left on the cutting room floor, and he's never actually in the film that's supposed to be his big breakout. Well, that does happen. But alas, the director of The Big Chill was so impressed with Kevin Costner that he offers him a role in his next movie, 1985's Silverado. The Western ends up being a critical and box office success, and Kevin Costner's career skyrockets from there. It is around this time that Kevin and Cindy start their family. They quickly have three children. A girl in 1984, another girl in 86, a son in 1988. Cindy is happy for Kevin's success, naturally. My partner in life, my spouse is doing something rewarding for them. This is terrific. However, Kevin is starting to play the heartthrob in Mm. several movies and having like sex scenes on the daily with other people and Cindy, as I can imagine, isn't hard to gather, becomes a little uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. this. Kevin will tell his friend John McInnes in People Magazine, Cindy doesn't like these sexy roles, and she's given me an ultimatum. I've either got to quit doing them or quit the movie business. Oh, wow. 
well. <laughs> this brings us to 1990, mm-hmm. when Dances with Wolves was released and a phenomenal success, making Kevin Costner the toast of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Sadly, the success will come with a high price to his marriage. So Kevin's becoming more and more famous. He's the subject for more and more tabloid coverage under constant scrutiny from the press. There are a number of rumors going around that he is stepping out, being a little unfaithful to Cindy. And he and Cindy keep their private life private. They refuse to respond to any of this when either one is asked. But things are strained in the marriage. Go ahead and turn up the temperature point to get us to 1992, where the pressure really heats up to a fever pitch after the blockbuster of The Bodyguard with Whitney Whitney Houston Houston. comes out. Now, at this point, the cheating rumors are constant and the marriage is boiling over. Right. Now, Kevin, up to that point, had enjoyed the perks of being a family man, often pictured with his wife and his kids. He appears to be the ideal caring husband and father in America licks it up. But once it is obvious that there's perhaps more going on behind the scenes and the contradiction of this is revealed, his fans feel betrayed. Cognitive dissonance, right? Whoa, what I so firmly believed is not actually what's happening. It's a little bit shattering for his fans. Right, it's a blow to your image, I guess, is the way to put it. But if we were to back up five years and go all the way back to 1987, I dare say the writing was on the wall. Kevin had already given some hints of things to come when he said, I have a big thirst, a big taste for things. I hate the fact that I've lived by somebody else's rules and I've somehow missed out on something. Hmm. Did you hear I have green eyes like (laughs) Richard Burton? Let us move along to the trashy divorce part of the story. The divorce of Kevin Costner and Cindy Silva Costner would become one of Hollywood's most expensive divorces. They married prior to his career or financial success. So Cindy, sweet Cindy, is by his side throughout the building of his career and during the most successful years of it. Yep. According to a 2008 Forbes report, their divorce settlement totaled $80 million. The divorces finalized in 1994 after 16 years of marriage. The divorce comes after a string of some of his biggest hits. 1989's Field of Dreams, (laughs) 1990's Dances with Wolves, 1991's JFK, 1992 in The Bodyguard. He really did have an action-packed career in that stretch, didn't he? Just in 1991 alone, according to Forbes, Costner cleared $50 that year. Yeah. The couple naturally will put out a statement. I love couple statements. Sure. After 16 years together, we are ending our marriage. We have amicably resolved all issues regarding our children and financial affairs, and a full marital settlement has been reached. Costner reveals he knew it was coming in an interview before the official announcement comes out. Good Lord. He said, The temptations are pretty strong, and there's a hungry world out there waiting for you to fall. So you can't even dabble without paying a huge price. I try to conduct my life with a certain amount of dignity and discretion, but marriage is a hard, hard gig. (laughs) I mean, 
becoming famous, it just, it must just be. All right. Costner has not said much about his personal life since the divorce. In 2012, he'll tell The Hollywood Reporter, my faith was shaken. No one wants their marriage to end, and it did. You're going to see the people you love most, your children, only half as much. That's a huge loss. Bad times. Mm -hmm. Kevin's marriage is not the only thing that is going south for him. In 1995, he experiences a major career disaster as well. The movie I actually liked. Everyone else in the world hated Waterworld, oh. the dystopian sci-fi <laughs> film starring Kevin Costner was a major flop. I, I actually liked it too, but it's it, I don't recall it being. At the time, it was the most expensive mm-hmm. production in history. It cost $170 million to make that film. <gasps> Big risks. Well, not only did the film flop, Costner was seriously injured while making the film as well. He got caught in a storm while tied to a sailing yacht. He also started demanding changes to the script, which causes the director to quit the project. Oh, my God. Needless to say, all of this stuff has impacted and done some damage to Costner's career at that time. But we're not here to talk about Waterworld. We're here to talk about Kevin Costner. So married as a young guy to Snow White. Mm -hmm. 16 years Uh of marriage. What you gonna do? You gonna go live your single life, man? He's having a great time, Kevin Costner. He is linked to several different women after post-divorce, including a bevy of Hollywood beauties. Michelle Pfeiffer, Halle Berry, Courtney Cox, Mia Sorvino, news anchor Joan London, and model and future first lady of France, Carla Bruni. (laughs) That's that's a lot. It's a lot. Joe London mm-hmm. said, I think Kevin and I would have dated longer had it not been for the unbelievable press focus on us. Like it would be hard to yeah. be the girlfriend in that role, no matter how alluring your green eyes are. Honestly, you can't throw a rock in Hollywood at the time to not land on a girl that Kevin Costner is rumored to be seeing. Sure. After the divorce, even more stories come out about the many affairs he had during his marriage. Actress and model Bobby Jean Brown, who is the former girlfriend of Tommy Lee and star of the hair metal band Warrant's Cherry Pie music video, Mm dated Kevin for a while. And then she wrote about that affair and many others in her memoir called Dirty Rocker Boys, (laughs) Love and Lust on Sunset Strip. Making a note. I may want to get that book. She tells a story about ruining a romantic moment between her and Costner. This, I think, would do it when she accidentally set his bedroom on fire. Um. (laughs) Yeah. That would ruin the mood. Yeah. (laughs) Whoops. Uh, uh, Okay. Another actress and model that mentioned Kevin in her memoir was Peggy Trentini who recalls having an affair with Costner shortly after his separation from Cindy. Peggy will write, He was so fun and flirty, but I never took him seriously because all my friends told me he was a huge womanizer. (laughs) She also said that Costner would have his friends bring lots of women to his house so he could, quote-unquote, find a hot girlfriend. Hmm. Kevin will have a brief relationship with Bridget Rooney, who is a member of the family that owns the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
That relationship will last from 1995 to 1996, but it will produce a son, Hmm. born in November 1996. Kevin initially doubts that the boy is his and will order a paternity test to confirm it. I mean, like, I get it, but also, like... Okay, so divorced. Class act there. Got a wife, got three kids, now accepting a fourth child, Kevin Mm. begins a relationship with supermodel Elle McPherson. Mm. And it is rumored that the couple lived together for about a year in 1996. Now, hey, once you land Elle McPherson, things cool off with her, but then... Now you're in the model set. So Kevin is rumored to be dating Cheryl Teagues, Angie Everhart, and Naomi Campbell. I don't think all at the same time. But But who can say? (laughs) During the filming of For the Love of the Game, Kevin is again the focus of intense tabloid speculation. It is rumored that he and co-star Kelly Preston, wife of John Travolta, are having an affair. John Travolta reportedly is in a quote-unquote jealous fit Hmm. with him reportedly coming on set and telling Kevin to quote-unquote keep away from Kelly. Wow. Oh, Kevin, my friend, when (laughs) when are you and those green eyes going to settle down, my friend? Right. Now, this is the part that the of the story that I love the most. Okay, so in 1996, while practicing golf, of course, for his role in Ten Cup. He meets model and handbag designer Christine Baumgartner. There's an immediate attraction, but the couple won't start dating for another three years until 1999. I guess Kevin needed to get it all out. Yeah, it sounds like he had a pretty classic sort of midlife crisis and uh, just happened to be rich and famous. Yeah, it's not all smooth sailing, though, because Costner will end up breaking off the relationship because he says he's not ready for another deep commitment. Christine, notably, is 20 years younger than Kevin, and he says he feels like it's unfair to her to continue with the relationship if he didn't want to get married and have more kids, which is kind of stand-up. Like, no, man, that's not... Yeah, we're at different places in our lives. Different places. We want different things. Costner will say that Bumgartner responded to the split by saying, this is so the tide is high, I love it. I'm going to wait for you, but not long. When you come to your senses, come back to me. And I did. <laughs> Good for her. I'm going to give you a minute to figure it out. So he, uh, Kevin Costner will tell Closer Weekly in June 2018, fear kept me from marrying Christine. She wanted a child, but I was afraid I couldn't be an effective father. I woke up and thought, Am I going to lose a beautiful woman who's willing to be with me to my very last breath because I'm afraid to say yes to a child? That's all it took. Sometimes you learn the thing you're most afraid of will save your life. So after 10 years living the green-eyed bachelor life, Kevin Costner marries Christine Bumgartner in 2004 at his ranch in Colorado. 18 years later, the couple is still going strong. Hmm. Together, they have three children making Kevin Costner a father of seven. In his acceptance speech at the 20th Annual Critics' Choice Movie Awards in 2015, Kevin Costner expresses his love for his wife and children, saying, My children have always been bigger than the movies. Recently, Kevin Costner has said that the pandemic and quarantine strengthened his relationship with his wife and the entire family unit. 
He'll say our partnership has really come into focus about what we do for each other and how we deal with our family. Our house is like a river. You just got to get into the flow of it. And whatever you thought it was going to be, maybe it still can, but it's going to have to work with what the day brings. And that, my dear, is the $80 million divorce of Kevin Costner and his first wife, which rocked. We've forgotten all about it. It's so easy and fast how the news cycle changes, but in, woo, at the time, that was a big damn deal. Yeah, it sounds like his life kind of went off the rails there for a while. Who's ever heard of a man having a midlife crisis? So (laughs) unusual. All right. Oh, I don't even have... 80 million trash cans? 80 million trash cans. I mean, that seems a little excessive and a little high. I feel like everybody kind of worked out in that, but... Sure. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. I did not know most of that. I think we both brought the trashy today. Yep. I think he was dating those models at the same time. (laughs) It's the green eyes. (laughs) All actors have green eyes. I didn't know that. I have green eyes. All actors have green eyes. Winking at you across the table. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Whatever color eyes you have. (laughs) We adore you so, so much. If you need more Trashy Divorces in the meantime, check out patreon.com slash Trashy Divorces. Oh, 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 we are going old Hollywood on Done and Done this week, which separate podcast. Go subscribe to that. We're going to be hearing about a few people that we've talked about on Trashy Divorces this week, just in a different way next week on Done and Done. Interesting. All the spider webs connect. Sure. Where nothing is linear and everything's connected. <laughs> Y'all, we adore you so much. We hope you have a tremendous week. We'll be back on Wednesday with a trashy breakup. Hopefully my computer is fully repaired now. Trying to remember. Oh, you may you may melt the, melt the new motherboard on this one. I, it could happen. Until we meet again, trash pandas. Keep your hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy. Have a wonderful week. Big love. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.